everybody. We have a full house. You can all come back next Sunday too. <laughs> have you ever thought what an amazing thing it is that God ordained beforehand that the Messiah be born in Bethlehem? As the prophecy in Micah chapter 5 shows that God ordained things that when the time came, the Messiah's mother and legal father were living in Nazareth. And in order to fulfill his word and to bring two little people to Bethlehem that first Christmas, God put in the heart of Caesar Augustus that all the Roman world should be enrolled, each in their own town. Have you ever felt like me, little and insignificant in a world of 8 billion people? In a world where all the news is of big political and economical and social movements. Where in the world where all the news is of outstanding people with lots of power, with lots of money and lots of prestige. And if you have felt little and insignificant, then don't let that make you be disheartened. Don't let that make you be unhappy because it is implicit in the Bible that all the, the, the mammoth political forces, all the great industrial complexes, without their even knowing it, are being guided by God. Not on their, for their own sake, but for the sake of God's little people. Like Mary, little Mary, and little Joseph, who have gone from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So God manipulates and employs an entire empire to bless his children. Do not think because you experience adversity that the hand of the Lord has been shortened. It is not our prosperity but our holiness that God seeks with all his heart. And to that end, he rules the world, the whole world. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. He is a big God this morning for little people. And we have great cause to rejoice this morning. The unbeknownst, that unbeknownst to them, all kings and prime ministers and presidents and premiers and chancellors the world over follow the sovereign decree of our Father in heaven that we, his children, might be conformed into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. Now we may think that if God so ruled the world as to use an entire empire, worldwide empire, census to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, he surely could have seen to it that there was room available at the inn. Is that right? He could have done that, couldn't he? And Jesus could have been born into a wealthy family. And Jesus could have turned stones into bread in the wilderness. And Jesus could have called 10,000 angels down to his aid at Gethsemane. And he could have come down, he could have come down off the cross and saved himself. But the question is not what God could do, but what God willed to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. For your sake, he became poor. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. 
This was God's will. The no vacancy sign over all the motels and the hotels in, Beth in Bethlehem was for our sake. For our sake, he became poor. God rules all things, even the motels and the hotel capacities, for the sake of his children. The Calvary Road begins with a no vacancy sign in Bethlehem and ends with the spitting and the scoffing at the cross in Jerusalem. And we must not forget what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And we join him on Calvary Road when we hear him say, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. And to the one who calls out enthusiastically, Jesus says, I will follow you. The man says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so, yes, God could have seen to it that Jesus had a room at his birth, but that would have been a detour from the Calvary Road. The angel said to Zechariah, don't be afraid. He said to Mary, don't be afraid. He said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. So it's, nat it's a natural thing for sinners to be afraid. The more guilt we have, the more things we, are, we, are, we fear, don't we? Fear is being fear of being found out of some little deceit. Fear that some ache that we have is God's judgment. Fear of dying and meeting the holy a holy God face to face. But even though it's natural, God sent Jesus with a word: "Do not be afraid." Hebrews two fourteen to fifteen says that Jesus became like us, so that by his death we might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who are or free those who are who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. This morning, this last phrase implies something tremendously liberating for our lives today, our daily lives. If the worst fear, the fear of death, has been taken away through the death of Jesus Christ then surely God does not want us to fear the lesser things in life, like job security, not wanting to befriend someone who can't speak English, for instance, or being rejected by a friend. The message of Christmas is don't be afraid. God is ruling the world for the great good of his children. So as Christ followers this morning, we need to embrace his promise, all his promises, so, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not be worried about your life, what you eat, what you drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Cast all your anxieties, all your fears on God, because He cares for you. And the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. For whom shall I be afraid? And in the place of fear, Jesus puts joy. So joyless faith in Jesus 
is a contradiction in terms. The Apostle Paul sums up the goal of his whole ministry like this. For the advancement and joy of your faith. Paul told the Philippians and the Thessalonians, Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Now I'm not trying to or wanting to oversimplify this godly posture of rejoicing. There will be tears, there will be grief, there will be pain. It's not wrong to cry, it's not wrong to weep with those who weep. But there is a joy rooted in God's rule of love this morning that is never overcome in God's children. Verse 14 of our text says, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favours. Peace for whom? There is a somber note sounded in the angel's praise. Peace among those on whom God's favour rests. Peace among those with whom God is pleased. Hebrews 11 chapter verse 16 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. So Christmas does not bring peace to all. This is the judgment, Jesus said, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Or as the old man Simeon said when he saw the, the child Jesus, he said, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And how many will there be who will look out this Christmas day outside of these four walls and see no more than that, just another day? Those who will mock and use the name of Jesus as a swear word. John 1.11 says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the children of God, to as many as believed on his name. It was only to his disciples that Jesus said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The people who enjoy the peace of God, a peace that surpasses all understanding, are those who in everything, by prayer and supplication, letting their requests known be known to God to, to be made be, 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 sorry, there goes my, my false teeth. <laughs> to be made known to God. The key that unlocks the treasure, the treasure chest of God's peace is faith in promises, in the promises of God. So Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And when we do not trust the promises of God, and have peace, and I'm sorry, when we do trust in the promises of God and have, have joy and peace and love, then God is glorified. That's what verse 14 is all about. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he has favour. The favoured ones, or the favoured are those who believe. And finally, as we close, when they, this is what, this is what the shepherds did in Luke 2, verses 17 and 20. When they had seen him, 
They spread the word concerning what they had been told or what had been told them about the child. John chapter 1 verses 5 to 6 says, In him Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came he came uh, for testimony, to bear witness to the light, and that all might believe through him. If you are ever granted to see that light for what it really is, you will believe it. Everyone who knows the light is like John the Baptist. We have seen the light and testify to it. Because Jesus, because of Jesus and because of Christmas, we have been lifted out of the dark caverns of our sin, of guilt and fear, and we have been placed into the bright daylight of His grace. And as we head into the new year, and as little people with a big God, how can we help spread the light of Jesus in our community? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I scarce can comprehend that God, the Son, would lay aside His heavenly glory and be willing to come to earth, be born as a little baby, and live a perfect life so that he could die a sacrificial death of sin, for sin of the world. Thank you for his wonderful example of obedience to you, and thank you for his demonstrated uh, obedience uh, to how to live a life that is totally dependent on you. I pray that like the Lord Jesus, that I would grow in grace and increase in wisdom and understanding for your praise and glory. I pray that I would learn to say without hesitation, Thy will, not mine, be done in all things. This I ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.